pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you, Lord, into this service. We need you. Your people need you. I need you. God, if we want to be the real deal, so that means, Holy Spirit, you've got to show us some things that we cannot know. Take the Word of God and let it divide soul and spirit. Let it, let it build and convict and change in only the way it can. Let it shape and form us to be the people you've called us to be since the beginnings of time. Jesus, breathe on your people. Love your people today. May they be different. May we be different. May we walk out one way and leave another. I just, right now, why don't we pray this simple prayer to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me in the way I need it. I open my heart right now. I surrender my life. Speak to me. Thank you, Lord, in advance. In Jesus' name. Come on, high-five three people and tell them they're exceptionally good-looking. Trying to help some single people in the house. Trying to help some, trying to help some single people. Trying to help some married people if you fought with your partner on the way to church. And, and just trying to help you if you're feeling bad about yourself. Can we thank our worship team? Thank you guys, week in, week out, for what you do. Someone say deadly seven. Come on, say deadly seven. I don't know if you've been enjoying our summer series so far or if you've had the moments and, and the opportunity to enjoy the beach this summer. I was at the beach just recently and I got to go on a, a paddle board. It's actually the first time I'd ever gone on a paddle board. And so I'm falling off like literally every four seconds. I mean, it's just, it's not going that well. It was, you know, you're getting like five strokes falling over, seven strokes. I'm like, I'm doing really well now. And then I hear this, this noise like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm on a paddle board and I can't even do it and there's sharks in the water that's that they and and I got off the beach and I'm like man what was that like noise and everyone was like we didn't hear any noise I'm like what do you mean you didn't hear the noise you didn't hear that. and I thought it was like the call of New Jersey get out there's sharks here like I don't know if I've seen Jaws too many times but on the one day I'm doing paddleboarding for the first time and I'm falling off every seven strokes yes there's shark attacks went to the beach the other day too uh with uh, my mum and then five kids. Three kids is a lot, and then we had a play date and a play date. So five kids and a two-year-old. So just add that to the equation. That was a fun time. But I don't know what happened. Um, there were these demonic flies, <laughs> demon-filled flies that were biting only me and my mother. Like, no one else seemed to be complaining. It, I, I'd never experienced anything like it. I promise you. I don't know if it was the attack of Satan himself. We were at the beach and these flies were biting me and my mom. I think one of them was like, hey, this guy, this woman's Australian. Tastes good over here. Vegemite sandwich. If you bite into them, as soon as they came on our body, they were biting us. These demons from hell. I wanted to cast them out. They weren't listening. Deadly flies. But I want to talk to you about deadly self-pity. Deadly 
self-pity. We've talked about, two weeks ago we began the series on deadly negativity. And negativity takes you to a certain place. And if you allow it to take you to that place, you'll allow it to sit in your home. And eventually, here's the problem sometimes in church. Sometimes I think that if we believe in Jesus, we think that we've got it all together. Sometimes we think, I'm a Christian, that can't happen to me. Have you read the Bible? You see, I, I, I've received the gift of grace and Jesus calls me his son, but then eventually he calls me to act like one. And last week my wife talked about deadly apathy, how apathy will get on us. You know, in any area of our life, apathy will be the killer. Apathy will take you down. And I was going to speak on insecurity, but I felt like the Lord nudged me that I needed to talk on self-pity. And I'm like, really, Lord? Like, self-pity? That's what you want me to, to talk on? And, um, but I think self-pity can be far more subtle than you, than you realize. Um, I think it can be so much, so much uh, more subtle in certain areas of your world. If you say things like, why me a lot? Why me and my money? Why me and my health? Why me in relationships? Why me? Why does this happen to me? Why does everyone else get blessed? But why this thing in me? And you actually might be in certain areas of your life in self-pity. How many know God wants to bless you? How many know God has a plan for your life? Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are literally God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance that we should walk in. In other words, God has a book about my life and He's written it down and He's got all these amazing things He wants me to do. He's got all these blessings He has for my life. And, 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 but how many know that the plan of God is often attacked? Like Adam and Eve, it, it wasn't the plan of God that they eat from the tree. It wasn't the plan of God that Cain would actually murder Abel. So I want to do what God has for me. Listen to the definition of self-pity today. Excessive, self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own trouble. See, the power of compassion is that you pity someone else. And when you pity someone else, you can help someone else. The challenge is when you pity yourself, you actually get stuck in a pit. Listen to this quote. Self-pity is easily the most destructive of non-pharmaceutical narcotics. It is addictive. It gives momentary pleasure and separates the victim from reality. For whatever is born of God, though, overcomes the world. For whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. If you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you're going to heaven. That's a good thing. But how many of you would hate to get to heaven and realize that you should have been way more blessed on earth? I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to get all the blessings I can in heaven. But how many of you would prefer some of those blessings to come here? Right? Because you live in the now. Right? I live in the now. I was, uh, I got to um, jet ski recently with my son and my daughter. It was the first time they'd ever been jet skiing. And Ben was like, Daddy, go faster, go faster, go faster. And Shelly was in the middle of us. And she was like, slow down, Daddy, slow down. And I was putting along and then I go a little faster. And she's like, Daddy, stop it. And Benny's like, go faster. And Daddy, you know, it was like a schizophrenic jet ski. I was faster, slower, faster, slower. And I, it was cool, I, I don't know, it was about half an hour or so, and 
We went around an island and did some other cool things. And, and, and along the path of us jet skiing, we went really close to this one bridge where cars were. And what's interesting about this bridge where the, the cars were going was that there was an older bridge there. And that bridge was broken down. It literally had been torn apart, but there was still some remnants of that bridge there. And um, for some reason recently when I was driving, I was driving in Brooklyn and they were doing some road work on some bridges and they were fixing them and making them wider and so forth. And all of a sudden it just seemed to dawn on me in a moment. I'm like, oh my goodness, people are trying to follow God into new paths and new pathways of blessing and new lifestyles and so forth. And they're trying to follow God. The problem is many times they have not broken down old bridges. They have old bridges that are still in their minds, still set up. They haven't recognized the danger. They haven't recognized the cancer. It is deadly negativity. It is deadly apathy. But if you just treat negativity as like a little bit of negativity or a little bit of apathy or a little bit of, 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 of self-pity, it's, it's kind of like saying like, hey, I just have a little bit of cancer. Because if you have a little bit of cancer, you're going to deal with the cancer. You're going to cut it out or, or you're going to get prayer or you're going to get chemo so that it doesn't metastasize and grow stronger. But when it comes to self-pity, could it be that sometimes we allow some self-pity? And then over time that becomes and begins to metastasize in your mind and in your life and in your marriage or in your finances, in your health, in your relationships, in your faith. And there is a bridge that God wants you to go down you're used to going down the pathway and the bridge of self-pity. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Am I preaching to anyone? You need to put a sign up on some old bridges in your life. Bridge closed. Another sign that says, I'm knocking this stuff down. Because you can't just close bridges with a sign. You can't just say, yes, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to confess that to God as, as, as sin. Lord, forgive me. And then sometimes we don't see as much change as we want to see because we've still got old bridges. We still have old bridges. How many of you have ever driven somewhere and all of a sudden thought to yourself, how did I get here? You got there because you just habitually go there. You go there and, and occasionally I'll be driving to um, work and I forget that the kids are in the car. And, I, and I, I've got to drop them off at school. But I'm so busy. I'm just thinking, okay, I've got to go to work and so forth. And the kids are like, Daddy, where are you going? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're here. <laughs> and I've got to quickly run around and drop them off to school and so forth and then go to work. But I realized that I just got there out of habit. And this is why sometimes you're going to get challenged in church. You're going to be encouraged to run the right track in church and get on the right bridge in church. But then sometimes you're going to get... Churches sometimes and should feel uncomfortable sometimes. It should feel like, oh, wait a second, I'm being confronted here. I have some wrong bridges in my life. But yes, you can put a stop sign in front of that bridge. Understand this. You can put a stop sign in front of that bridge, but it's an old habit, isn't it? And for some reason, it's just so easy to go to that old habit. So I want to point out a passage of Scripture to you, two passages of Scripture in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8 says this, verse 9, I kind of need to teach this for a little bit because I want you to really understand the theology behind this, where I'm going with this, so that it is clear in your mind that yes, you may love Jesus and know Jesus, it's why it's so important to be in the house of God, 
It's why it's so important to get challenged on a regular basis. It's why it's so important to not just be in a big house, but a little house, in a connect group, in a dream team, um, in a healthy family that's a faith family. Why? Because all of us have bridges that we must break down. Acts chapter 8 verse 9 says this, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. In other words, he had power. He wasn't a fake. He wasn't just palm reading and guessing people's future. No, this guy was a real warlock or a real witch. He had literally demonic power. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. How many of you like seeing trick shows? Trick shows and so forth, where they do a little magic trick and so forth, and they can fool you and so forth. But there are some people out there who are the real deal when it comes to magic and witchcraft and so forth, and they amaze people. It is incredible what they do, but they are empowered by a different spirit. And all the people, both high and low, gave them their regard. Verse 11, they followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed, someone say believe. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. That's the next step. They were baptized, both men and women. And Simon, the sorcerer himself, believed and was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere. In other words, he was a sorcerer. He had a life-changing encounter with God. He said yes to the grace of God. That happens in belief. Someone say amen. His next step was to get baptized, so he believes upon Christ. He says, Jesus, forgive me. He gets baptized. He is immersed in a pool at Church Alive at the Williams Center. I know that's not in the text. I'm just giving it to you, right? That's what happens. That was the next step and so forth. And then he started to follow. Someone say follow. So he's believed upon Jesus. He's going to heaven. He's baptized in water. He's following. He's becoming a disciple. And then the Bible says that when the d- disciples heard that Samaria was heading, had received the word of God, they sent two apostles to them. And the two apostles came and they prayed that they'd be filled and baptized and immersed in the Holy Spirit. And that began to happen. And Simon, who is used to having power, used to having people amazed at him, is amazed at the disciples. And he looks at them and is like, man, you guys have a power that I don't have. And he literally offers the money. He's like, hey, I want this power because I want people to be amazed by me. How many know that was the pattern of his life? The pattern of his life was getting attention. The pattern of his life was, look at me, the pattern, the bridge that he went down and he believes upon Jesus, is baptized and is following, but he still has the same pattern, doesn't he? He has the same pattern in his life. Why? Because it's a habit, isn't it? It's a bridge that he has gone down. And so understand this, that he is um, asking them, hey, can I have this power? And Peter looks at him and he rebukes him. It is not an encouraging prophecy. He does not say, God has a great plan for your life. Watch this now, verse 22. He's repent. Somebody say, repent. You don't have to get nervous about this word. It's, it literally just means do a U-turn. You're going one way, do a U-turn. And the Bible actually says in the book of Acts that God's, um, God blesses you by allowing you to repent. In other words, if you are heading in a wrong direction, If you had cancer, for instance, and the doctor helped you not get cancer, how many know that's a good repentance, right? This is repentance, a repentance of this wickedness, and pray to the Lord, let me me stay with you, and pray to the Lord in the hope that He may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Now watch this now, He sees something in Him, 
Watch this now. This is not encouraging, but it's helpful. This is not encouraging, but he needed to hear it. This is not encouraging, but this was the bridge and the pattern of his life. This was not like, yay! I'm so glad I heard you speak today. You just made me feel so good. No, it was not that. He says, for I see, watch this now, I see, he says, that you are full of bitterness. Bitterness, like maybe things have gone wrong in his life. Maybe he hated other people. Maybe he had self-pity. He's full of bitterness. And the Bible says, and he's actually captive to sin. I thought you said he believed upon Jesus and was baptized and was following. He was. It should be quiet in here. In that moment, you know what I'm saying? How many know that you become a Christian and later, many times, God confronts you on something? And he says, no, you've got a bridge and you need to turn that bad boy around. See, you can, this is why sometimes people get so offended and upset with church. They're like, that person's a Christian and they do this. You call yourself a Christian? Some Christians are so tight with money. And non-generous, and, like, and people see it and go, you call yourself a Christian? It's just a pathway. And it's a habit that they've built over the years, and maybe their mom and dad were like that. And so over time, they still go down that path. And sometimes they even confess it as sin. But the problem is we need to break down the bridge. The Bible actually says who confesses and renounces his sin finds mercy. In other words, listen to me, listen to me. I think sometimes in our culture, we don't take seriously that God wants us and expects us to truly change. Because when you, when you really identify that it is time to change, you say, oh my goodness, I've been going down this path for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And here's the thing, and you say, God, but I can't change. And he says, that's right, you can't. Now you admit it and you literally say, God, change me. Change me. Aren't you sick of showing up to church but not changing? Aren't you sick sometimes of saying you're a Christian on Sunday but not changing on Monday? Aren't you sick sometimes of saying, wait, I believe in Jesus and I'm even following, but there's some, there's some pathways, there's some bridges that I've built, and there's a bridge that I've built, and now I even live in the town of self-pity. I live in the town. I've built a house there. I believe in Jesus. But why me, God? Why me? You know, years ago, this is kind of one of those examples that I, I remember. How many of you ever struggled with your language? Swearing? Cursing? Yeah. <laughs> Someone like, well, that was this morning. Um, when I came to Christ and really to, not just came to faith in Christ, I came to faith in Christ when I was about five, but really came to Christ in God's purpose at about 18 and my language started to change. It just started to get cleaner. How many noticed that? Just like, oh, I don't need to swear as much. You know, it just it start, slowly started getting cleaner and you read the word and go, oh, you're actually not meant to. Um, F-bomb isn't a love word, is it? Um, 
But how many know that there's times of frustration that will reveal that you've got old pathways and old bridges in your life? You have old bridges that you've built over years, and so it's so easy for you to go down that bridge, and you're like, and, and I remember one day, I used to, uh, I'd really, generally, I had stopped swearing except on the tennis court. Then Johnny Mac came out. Good old Johnny Mac. I would just, because I was so frustrated. And I remember just one day getting, a story came back and people were disappointed that the, the, the tennis team at Liberty, which was meant to be a representative of Christ and the university, just like, they're just swearing just like everyone else. And I remember just getting really convicted by it. I was like, man, I was bothered by it. And I literally remember praying that day. I was like, Lord, I don't seem to be able to change this at all. I can't change it. But I recognized it was wrong. And, and then I was like, God, change it in me. And I was serious about it. My buddy calls me up that day. He's like, hey, let's go play tennis. I was like, no, I'm not playing tennis today. I'm just going to. Uh, spend time with the Lord. And he's like, I oh, don't feel, here's the funny thing. He said, don't feel bad about it. It's all good and so forth. But I was like, no, no, no. I just feel like I need to change this. And, and I was saying to God, God, I can't change this. But I confess, I, I don't just say, oh, Lord, forgive me and move on. I literally brought it to him as the problem. Like I said, there's this cancerous side of my body. And Lord, would you cut that out? There's a bridge that I've gone down so many times. It's a habit that I don't seem to be able to break. And I'm asking you to break down this bridge. Do you see that? And I remember just kind of going, God, I'm sorry. And I was really just like, sorry, Lord. And I swear, it was the next day playing tennis. I just was like, oh, something's changed. Like literally something had changed. And I just don't, literally ever since then, I just don't really swear at all. It's, it, I, God changed it. Because I bought him my bridge. And I said, break it. I brought to him my bridge that I had built over years. And I said, God, I can't change it with you. Are you with me? So let's go quickly to Acts chapter 19, verse 18. A move of God is happening in Acts 19. And the Bible says this, And many of those who had become believers were coming, confession and disclosing their former, their former sinful practices. And many of those who had practiced, watch this, magical arts, collected their books and throwing book after book on the pile, began burning them in front of everyone. Wait a minute. I'm not saying go burn your books. But some of you may have some books you actually literally need to go home and just throw out. I know it's taboo and you're like, what do you mean? It's, it's a book. And, and sometimes in our educational culture, you're like, oh my goodness, we're just glad uh, our teenagers are reading books. Well, if it's a stupid book, why would we be glad they're reading a stupid book? You can read Fifty Shades of Grey as a book. It's not going to take you to a great place. Oh, I'm just glad he's reading. There's articles in Playboy. I wouldn't encourage that reading. Oh, it's the book. It's holy. No, it's not holy at all. Here's what they did. They took what was their lifestyle of magic and they burnt it, which means they got serious about it 
and they said, we're getting rid of this book. You see, there's some things God can't do for you. You've got to do some things, and then God will break them. Are you with me, church? Listen what the Bible says. Watch this now. Verse 20, so the word of the Lord concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ was growing greatly and prevailing. Why did the word of God grow greatly and prevail? Because they brought God their bridges that were taking them to a wrong place and they threw them out. Pastor, do you, do you mean I need to change? Yes. Stop it. But I don't want to change. But he's your father. He loves you. And he says it looks bad on you. (laughs) Self-pity sees the world and life negatively and gets quickly stuck in apathy because it's his obsessiveness with self. Listen, to what Helen Keller said about self-pity, who would know something about it. She said, self-pity is our worst enemy, and if we yield to it, we can never do anything good in this world. Do you know that sometimes even to pity some people is to feed their self-pity? Do you know that every once in a while, you and I just need a slap in the face? Come on, I'm preaching now. I'm preaching to you. <laughs> like, have you ever been, I was at the gym recently and I like to listen to like YouTube motivational videos and so forth as I'm at the gym. And those dudes will slap you in the face. I'm, I'm sitting there doing some workout and this guy's talking about at the 70 mile mark, he had 30 miles to go, how he had shin splints and his ankles were bruised beyond recognition and he taped his whole body and ran another 30 miles. And I was like, oh, like some of these guys are doing stuff. And and it's partly because they're not pitying themselves. How many of you know you can change your life if you stop excusing it? I'm serious. I'm serious. How many of you can get up at 5 a.m. in the morning easily? How many of you think that if I offered you a $1,000 bill every single morning that you could quickly get up at 4.45 and be waiting for me in a suit and tie. <laughs> Hi, Pastor Anthony, I was waiting for you. But isn't it so interesting that, 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 that other times it's like, I just couldn't get up out of bed. Couldn't you? Are you sure? Did you do everything you needed to do to get up? No, you didn't. Come on, and I'm preaching to myself. Come on. Like, I've tried every diet, none of them work. Are you sure? (laughs) Right? Like, every diet? I've tried the seafood diet. I have seafood and I eat it. Is that a diet? (laughs) Let me get away from that quickly before I get attacked later jumped at church. Here's what I've noticed about self-pity. Self-pity is big on why me. 
Why me? Why did this happen to me? Why didn't I? Why can't I? Why me? Why God didn't? Self-pity says, why do I have to work so hard? (laughs) Have you ever had that spirit get on you? Why am I the only one that has to work hard? (laughs) 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 Cry me a river. (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday, all my troubles were so far away. Now I need a place to hide away. Oh, I believe. In yesterday, oh, I had to go, I don't know, if I could turn back time, <laughs> if I could find the way. Now, listen, listen, listen. This is, an, um, this is Rutherford doesn't have talent, I know. <laughs> but I'm 40 tomorrow, I can get away with some things, you know. They didn't used to be able to. Hear this now when it comes to prayer. Hear this now when it comes to prayer. Self-pity robs you of power in prayer. As, as, as a pastor of a church, recently I was playing soccer with my son and he like clipped me from behind and man, my ankle was bad. And can you imagine if I came to church regularly and texted everybody and Facebooked everybody, Instagrammed everybody, hey everyone, can you pray for my ankle? Okay, let's get 400 people just really pouring all of their faith into Pastor Anthony's ankle. It'll get ready. It'll get better by itself in like one week. But let's spend all of my faith on my problem. Are you spending all of your faith on your problem? Are you texting everyone, pray for me? Who are you praying for? The Apostle Paul is in prison and he says to them, he says, I am praying for you. He should have wrote a letter that said, what about me? It isn't fair. I want my share. Can't you see? But he should have just been like, pray that I get out of this hellhole. And he's praying for the church. Can I tell you something about overcoming self-pity? It is others focused. It is others focused. It is others focused. If you look in Philippians 1, he is others focused. If you look look in Philippians 2, here's this now from a guy in prison. He says to them, stop grumbling. (laughs) Like stop grumbling. Shouldn't that be the slogan of New Jersey? You cannot be powerful and a grumbler. You can't. You cannot. You cannot be powerful and a grumbler. Let me say this to you. How many of you would like to live a blessed life? You won't live it grumbling. See, grumbling is like putting on an ugly cloak or ugly coat and trying to get into the best club. They won't let you in. Do you know when my daughter says to me, Daddy, today I want ice cream. I'd love to give you ice cream, honey, but you're whining. And I can't reward whining. And I felt like the Lord even speak to me about someone in our church. Just said, listen, you're trying to get God to bless all of your efforts. But you need to seek God and his blessings just flow. You're trying to make faith about you. It's not about you. 
It's not. And he can't reward his sons and daughters if they just walk around and just going, where's my ice cream? He wants to bless you. How many know God wants to bless you? He's good. He's not just good. He's good, good. He's not just good, good. He's eternally good. So if I'm like, what about me? Now understand, please understand, if you've gone through a horrific time or lost someone in the family, please grieve and and so forth. I'm not talking about that type of pity, but I am talking about self-pity that says that everyone else gets promoted but me, but everyone else is working harder than you. Everyone else is finding this one and that one, and how come God never blesses me? Are you blessable? Are you blessable? Whoever, it's one of my favorite scriptures, it's 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, whoever of you would love life, and I'm like, that's me. Whoever of you, it's the invitation to love life. Whoever of you would love life, keep your tongue from evil. Whining in the Bible literally is evil speech. Grumbling, when you grumble, you fumble. When you grumble, you tumble. When you grumble, you stumble. What is that for a little rhyme? You know? I'm not sure if this quotes. Anyway, listen to this quote. It says, the pity train has just derailed at the corner of suck it up and move on. And crashed into, we all have problems. Before coming to a stop at, get the hell over it. (laughs) Listen to this about self-pity. It says, if you lick your wounds for too long, they'll never heal. If you lick your wounds for too long, they won't heal. Can I have the band to come back? How many of you know that God has called you to be an overcomer and a champion? The Bible says in Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors. And, and they are listing out some stuff that you and I, I mean, we're sitting in our air-conditioned building. We'll go in our air-conditioned car. We'll go in our air-conditioned houses. And the apostles were literally like being brutally sometimes murdered. And they said they were more than conquerors. So here's what I'm utterly convinced of. If they can say it, then in our pretty affluent, doing well culture, we can say it. We have the same spirit. We have the same Lord. But sometimes you're going to break down literally the bridge of self-pity that says, God, why me? And here's what I want to tell you. Instead of why me, what now? Not why me, what now? What now that this has happened to me? Do you know that sometimes some of the hardest situations that you could think of have been turned around into the greatest things in America? For instance, someone loses a child and then they're like parents against drunk driving. So they didn't say why me, they said what now? They said what now? The Apostle Paul was thrown into prison and he says, guess what guys, this has actually turned out for my deliverance and this has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, they were forward focused you might have had the worst dad then you make this amazing decision on the inside to say I will be the best one because if you focus on what your dad didn't do or what your mother didn't do or what a friend didn't do or your boss didn't do or whatever it might be if you keep focusing on that you'll keep producing it 
God wants you to be a champion. And sometimes God comes alongside you, like He'd come alongside a son and just say, you're doing amazing, you're doing amazing. When my little one, Hopi, was first walking, he's like, yay. <laughs> she's walking, she's walking. And, but, but at 10, I'm like, I'm not like, hey, hey, uh, she's made four steps. And then when she falls over, sometimes you've got to say, hey, honey, it's okay, but suck it up and get up. And my daughter will just point at a little boo-boo and go, she'll point out the tiniest little thing I'm like it's okay baby suck it up are you with me let me give you this final thought when it comes to self-pity Joseph was clothed in his father's favor it was a coat that he wore and his brothers got mad at him and destroyed it but he was still favored and in his life, he should have been a very self-pitiful person. But because he refused to sit there, he became the second powerful, most individual in the greatest nation in the world at that time. You cannot be pitiful and powerful. You cannot be pitiful about your marriage and have a great marriage. You can't be pitiful about your money. You just got to say, what now? You can't be pitiful about your health. It might be subtle, but I'm just trying to encourage. And I just feel like the word of the Lord for our house is, hey, get up again. You're more than a conqueror. Get up again. You're more than a conqueror. Get up again. You're more than a conqueror. Get up again. Don't allow that situation to be the, 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 the signature of your life. You're more than that. You're more than that. Don't wear that ugly coat. Throw it off and overcome. Are you with me, church? Do you receive it? Let me pray for you. Spirit of the living God, only you can convict people. Only you can show areas of our world, God, that we so need to change when we are blind to them ourselves. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would walk amongst aisles and nudge people and touch people and speak to them the way they need to hear it. I pray, Lord God, where some just need a, a voice of encouragement, I pray you'd speak that. But others, God, I pray that the, the Word of God would literally come like a, a knife and just show some such clear things of where they're actually being pitiful instead of powerful. And God, cause your people, Lord, to rise and to be all they're called to be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed in this place. Friend, have you ever met Jesus? And if you haven't, this is the opportunity in our service. We give every single person, every single time, an opportunity to meet the one who died for them, to meet the one who rose from the dead. He is not dead. He is risen. He offers you and me eternal life through the blood of Jesus and through faith in Him. You can't work your way to do it, but by the grace of God, He will pour out His Spirit upon you. He will pity you and He will lift you up and say, be my son, be my daughter by grace and faith. I'm going to ask people to receive Him, receive His presence right here and right now. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something powerful about confessing the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll confess Him, He'll come in, He'll change, He'll forgive, He'll give purpose, He'll give meaning. If you've run away, walked away, wandered away, you can come back to Him. He's not mad at you, He's mad about you. Right here, right now, come on, let's pray this prayer together. 
Say, Jesus, I believe in you. Today, I confess you as my Lord, you as my Savior, you as my Father, you as my Master. I surrender my life to you, my heart to you, my will to you. And others of you, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Jesus, help me see where I'm in self-pity and where I need to conquer. I trust you to reveal yourself to me, to help me, to empower me to be the person I'm called to be. In Jesus' name. Hey, heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment longer. Hey, if you said yes to Jesus right here, right now, would you quickly slip up your hand? Say, Pastor Anthony, that was me today. Man, I'm coming back to Him. Man, I've been running from Him. I've been wandering from Him. Come on, all over this place. Slip your hand up, slip it up high. And say, Pastor Anthony, man, I reject, I've been rejecting God and I need Him. Anyone? Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else? Just real quick. Quickly, quickly, slip up your hand, slip it up high. Anyone here today? Father, I pray for those who said yes to You. God, that they'll follow You with all their heart and all their soul. In Jesus' name. And the faithful church said? Come on, if you receive the Word of God, give the Lord a hand.